As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Portson with you on a Friday morning. Allison Lucan is here. Hello. And we have a very special guest in our midst, Jody Shelley. Yay. Fox Sports Ohio's Jody Shelley is here. Hello, Mr. Shelley. Hey, how's it going, Porty? Allison, good to be with you guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, lots to talk about. I mean, I think it's been a little while for, for us. Uh, you're a frequent guest here on the program. We appreciate that. Blue Jackets with the flurry of moves uh, to start this offseason. Max Domi acquired from Montreal for Josh Anderson. They signed Miko Koivu uh, as their third-line center, one presumes. That, that allows Boone Jenner to move to the left. Um, what excites you so far that you've seen uh, from this club uh, this offseason, Jody? What are you looking at first? Well, uh, you know... <laughs> You know, we always go into the offseason as fans of this team, uh, wondering and waiting and, and hoping that, you know, there's going to be big moves made. And, you know, first of all, Josh Anderson not getting signed, that was too bad. You know, we're going to miss Josh Anderson. Uh, his size and speed, sure. that combination, uh, the way he was brought up in the organization, you know, we get to walk in the locker room and see how he interacts with his teammates. He was a part of this, you know, and um, it's too bad they didn't get that ironed out and get it done. Uh, I'm excited about what this team has done the last four or five years, how they're adding small pieces and not breaking up a pretty good nucleus. And I'm also excited about, you know, Max Domi, as you mentioned. Now, this is a player he's playing for his third team now. I think it's taken Max a little bit to grow up. I don't know him that well, and I mean that with all respect to him. You know, his dad is probably... Uh, one of the most recognizable people in Canada, Ty Domi, uh, played for oh, the Toronto Maple Leafs for yes. a long time. Still, uh, you know, one of the, the one, not a very big guy, but he was one of the toughest competitors as, as far as enforcers to ever play the game. And he's a real character and loved in Canada. So Max grew up kind of under that, and he gets to Montreal. Which, if anyone's ever been to Montreal, you can open a menu in any restaurant and read and learn about the Montreal Canadiens up to date. Like it's covered everywhere. It's everywhere. And, <laughs> you know, as a player there, you sometimes step back and think, what would it be like? 
And for a guy like Domi, who has the Domi name, to play in Montreal, and I don't know this. This is just my opinion. You know, there's more that comes with it. I think you put pressure on yourself. You think you need to say certain things. You think you need to act a certain way. You think you need to be in a certain position. Well, all that's behind him now. And I think he's coming to a place where he's going to know where he fits in and what his role is through the John Tortorella um, coaching staff and the players here. And he's going to be able to flourish and thrive in a very specific role. And I think that's key for a young player like Domi, who's coming from, uh, I mean, listen, Claude Julian's a great coach. Luke Richardson is on that bench, who knows Max from being a childhood uh, friend of, of Ty Domi. But listen, he's out of that hotbed. He's coming here. I'm excited to see him fit in with this group. He brings a certain element of speed. He can score, and he loves to get under the skin of the opposition. And when you're playing with a player like that, it's fun to watch. It's fun to have him on your team, and it's easy to follow. So I'm excited about him for sure. Yeah. Let me ask you the question everybody listening to this right now wants to know. You did fight Ty Domi once, did you not? Yes, I did. Yes, I fought him. It wasn't very, it wasn't very long. He, he kind of slipped, and, and, and okay. it, was, it ended quick. Probably <laughs> a good thing for me, to tell you the truth, because uh, he had me in a spin cycle. That's what he does. He's a lefty, and he gets you spinning towards oh, the yes. right, yes. and he pops you. Um, but he did, uh, I don't know if you saw on YouTube, he did autograph a stick for me once when I chased him around and tried to fight him in Toronto one night and he couldn't fight me because he had a throat problem or something. He had hit in the throat the night before and I didn't know it. So he called me uh, off as a punk and said, what's your name? Punk. And I told him and he signed the stick, uh, in mid game (laughs) to Jody, best wishes, Ty Domi. And, um, at the time, Jamie Healy. Got, got the stick as it flew over the, the glass between the benches in Toronto. And he leaned into me and he said, what do I do with this stick? And I said, well, put it in the stick bag. And I still have it. Nice yellow uh, Louisville TPS signed by Ty Domi. <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. Now, he knew your name, of course. Well, I hope he did. But I played along and told him how to spell it and everything. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and he was like 5'8", like a ripped like a bulldog but i'm just glad he didn't get the chance to do the heavyweight belt thing uh after he fought with you yeah i don't think it was that kind of fight right that would be uh no it wasn't that kind of fight no it wasn't uh that the legendary fight of him and probert a number of rounds in madison square garden oh yeah all good stuff um i heard a, a few players say that they were looking for a veteran presence that you can't have too many of those guys especially when you get to the postseason Thoughts on Miko Koivu? Yeah, I think he, he fills a certain role, a very specific role. Uh, he's Finnish royalty. You know, the Koivu family, yep. um, they've been around the National Hockey League for the last three or four decades and, and done some great things. Hey, he's a player that I'm amazed that he was drafted just ahead of uh, our buddy Pascal Leclerc. I mean, that goes back a long time. You think those days are far behind us, but he was a part of that draft. Yep. Um, he's a no-nonsense leader. Uh, he's a guy that's no no uh, no maintenance off the ice, which is a good thing. And, you know, when you're in a locker room or you're in a business environment or you're in honest, I don't care where you are, put yourself on a school bus. You always look around to the guys who have been doing this for a while. Just it might not be every day, but it might be like, you know, once once a week or a couple times after a loss or how do they carry themselves? And I agree. When you get in the second, third, fourth round, it's the veterans that drive. It's the veterans sometimes you play for. It's the guys that have sacrificed and been a part of it for a while 
that you really watch and, and follow. And I think uh, Miko is uh, not only a stand-up person, he's a really great NHL hockey player. And I love the role that he's going to fit in because you're talking about a team now that's been the youngest for a long time. And I think, you know, it, it's we figured out, like, it's time to get past that. So guys like that, and you look at yeah. Tampa, we're a copycat league in the National Hockey League, but I think one thing has been for sure, go back to St. Louis a couple of years ago, older guys that know their role and can take it and, and just stay focused really help in the postseason, and that's what you have to look at. Jody, we knew that there was probably going to be some movement on the blue line just because there were so many players there. We know what Ryan Murray can do. We also know he always struggled to stay healthy. Nudie maybe didn't have the best season last year. How do you feel about this defensive core now? I mean, we know what Seth Jones and Zach Rensi can can do, but what do you think about this blue line with the departures that, that Yarmo executed? Yeah, you know, I think that the luxury of Wierenski and Jones and then the emergence of Savard as complementing, whether it's Ian Cole or this guy, you know, this year it's Gavrikov uh, who emerges – I think when you have four solid like that, and then you have pieces like, as you said, Murray, who's a top defenseman when healthy. Um, you know, yeah. he's at, uh, he was on a five-six role. He probably wasn't happy there. He knows he should be playing up. Nudavara is a guy that you know you think he's doing great, and all of a sudden Kukin is in there, and and Nudavara at times doesn't look as good. So I feel really good, really good about the defensive co- uh, core here. They've got young players. Uh, Peak is one of those guys that comes in and, you know, he's got a real innocence to his game, but he also has uh, a straight-ahead motor that that is really something that plays well in this defensive core. It's too bad to see guys go that easily for – you look at it and think, like, you know, they didn't get much. But the game plan here is to get something going into the draft, let those guys go somewhere else, and then move forward. And I think that's that's a smart play because – you know, if you hang on to guys and hope things will work out again next year, it seems like this window that the Blue Jackets have, I feel that it's wide open right now and it's time for this team to take a step. And sometimes taking a step is moving pieces that have been here for a while. Even if you think they complement it, you need to make room for some players that can make this a little better. Yeah, for sure. You, you mentioned David Savard, and he is so interesting to me because like you said, he, he's not a guy that on his own you go, oh my gosh, a great Not that he's not good, but he's not, you know, oh, great defenseman. But he makes everyone he plays with better. What what goes into that? Like, what is the chemistry or the magic of David Savard? Because it really is something to watch. Whoever he plays with gets better. Yeah, and we've asked some of the players that have played with him, and he's very predictable. He knows his game on the right Mm. side of the ice, and he's very A, B, C, and he follows that order. You know he's going to take the bomb part of the passing lane away on a two-on-one. You know he's going to pressure the puck behind the net. He's got. He's not making a a, a new play in game sixteen that he hasn't played the uh, made the previous sixteen games. You know he's very predictable, and I think that's something as a new guy coming into an organization like Gavrikov. Think of his situation. Not only a new organization, but a new league, a new culture, and he can look at David and think, "Oh, okay, I know that you're going to do that, and I know how to complement that." Um, and, and I think that's what he does very well. He's strong, he's big, and more importantly, and, and, and it's simple, but the higher levels you get up in sports, the better and the more simplified you can be, the better you can be, and that's what Savard does very well. Fascinating. Do you, this free agency market hasn't moved as quickly maybe as in past years, because right now we don't even know when next season starts. 
if you could pick and, and, if, and if it was within the budget, are there players you're eyeing that are still free agents right now that you'd like to see become Columbus Blue Jackets? Not really. I mean, the one player that I really am eyeing, and it's not a free agent, um, it's Patrick Laine out in Winnipeg. I mean, you look mm-hmm. at the cap room that's here, you know, I kind of felt like we were in on Petrangelo um, because the cap space being cleared. I, that's just my opinion and reading as a fan and enjoying the buzz of free agency. But I don't, I'm not looking at, at any of the free agents right now and thinking that this is what, this is a guy that the Blue Jackets need. Um, I'm more looking at players in organizations that could possibly be moved in a really odd year with a flat cap for the next few years that maybe, uh, uh, you know, there, there are moves that can be made and teams that have to make moves and what a year to snag someone. And that's why I think Guillermo has been very good with his cap space because if you do see these names or these players come up that should never come up in their career, wow, what an opportunity to jump and make the move. So for me, it's a guy like Line. He fills a lot of needs that the Blue Jackets are looking for, not only the shot, but the game-breaking ability. Uh, you know, if you came in here, now you have a veteran in, in Koivu. Think of the Finnish uh, connection there as far as uh, a leader and, and someone he could look up to. Plus, he gets to an area with, with a team that's on the up. So, yeah, he's the guy I'm really watching. I'm wondering if they would really trade him, uh, how hard the Blue Jackets would go after him. So, Jody, the, the Blue Jackets have changed uh, their look at forward. Uh, yes, on the back end, too. The third pair is probably going to look di- – well, it's going to look different. But the forward spot, I think, is where you're going to see the most dramatic changes. How? Let's talk about Max Domi being able to play in the middle. Miko Koivu being able to play in the middle, a third-line guy. And how that's been such a vacuum, that, that sort of second, third spot for the last three or four years. They waited for Wenberg uh, to come around. They moved Jenner back to the... Or to the middle, even though I, I think most agree he's he's most effective as a left winger. How much better is this team just having centers playing uh, down the middle? I think if you look at Dubois, Domi, Koivu, Nash, and you also have some other players who could who could fit in there. Grigorenko's a guy that could fit in there. Uh, Foodie, Texier could move to the middle at some point. I think this team is more stable now down the middle than they've been since, say, Johansson, Dubinsky, Anisimov days. Agreed? Yeah, yeah, that's that, that would be a fair comparison. And again, it's a situation where until you're lacking in, in, uh, in a position, you really think you're okay. And then, yeah. you know, you get into the playoffs and listen, this is a team that plays a defensive style. But when you have a true centerman like Koivu, who, if I'm his winger, I know he's going to make the play. You know, I know he's going to be there in the defensive zone to support me uh, down low. He's, you know what he's going to do off the faceoff. There's just, and not to take anything away from Felino, who's played center, and Jenner, who I think has done yep. a great job at center, but there's just a little bit of a different feel when you have that natural position covered. Um, you know, the center of the ice in the defensive zone is a key part in exiting the zone, not only with winning the faceoffs, but supporting your 2D. It's an outlet in the middle of the ice you need to have. You need to have confidence. You need to have someone that can make that play to get it up to a winger or out of the zone. In the neutral zone, you know, sometimes they're F1 in the forecheck pushing the play. Uh, but there are a lot of times, again, in support role to make sure that's a clean play through the neutral zone or helping if things do get messed up. 
And then in the offensive zone, a lot of time, they're the high guy. They're the guy that comes in the zone later. They're part of that second layer. Maybe a defenseman has beat him up the, up the ice. So there's a lot to that position to cover all areas of the ice. And I think a guy that understands it and a guy that's ready for the initial faceoff in the D zone, where you, that's where teams take advantage of teams. You look at the power play for the Blue Jackets. How much better did they do on a power play setup when they could win the draw in the offensive zone and get set up? Their entries weren't very good, but their offensive oh. zone wins and, set, and establishing that first mm -hmm. second chance was much better in the offensive zone on the draw. If you have a, a centerman who's not winning faceoffs, at least he knows how to tie up the other guy on a, on a power play so the wingers can come get it. There's, yeah. a, there's more to it, and it, you know what? And I said it earlier. It's simple, but it's a detail that is a massive detail for this team. So I agree with Domi there. You put Nash on the fourth line, who played up a little bit last year because he they really needed him to, and he did a nice job for a short period of time uh, with Dubois. Plus, now you have guys pushing each other. Max Domi thinks he's going to be the second-line center. Koivu doesn't want to be third-line center. He wants to be second-line right. center. He wants to be first-line center. So now that's you have right. competition for Dubois, and I think that's a good thing for him too. Yeah. A guy like Domi, if you say to him, as the second line center, he says, oh, is that what I am? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, and that's so good, right? Huh. How about that? <laughs> Number oh, two. Yeah, that's cool. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Um, John Tortorella has, has said that with the players that they've assembled, and I honestly think it's as much about uh, the trust and the confidence they gathered in their goaltenders uh, through play last year. Uh, but with the way that they're aligned now, he plans to have a more open attack offensively, more aggressive attack offensively. I don't know yet if if um, safe is death. The sign is back up yet or not. Um, I don't know if we're there yet, but he plans to open things up a little bit more this year. I think he likes Jenner better on the left wing. I think he thinks he can put Felino, as he said, in more offensive situations where he can sort of produce as he has in years past, what does that look like to you? And I, I, I got to tell you, I, I got a kick last year about out of Tortorella. You could say to him on a Tuesday, <laughs> you've changed your style a little bit. No, we haven't changed a damn thing this year. Not a damn thing. You guys keep saying that. And then on Thursday, you'd ask him a question and say, well, you know, we changed our style a little <laughs> bit this year. It just depended on the day you got them. They did change last year. They were much more uh conservative through the neutral zone i get the sense they feel like they can they can trade more chances with people because more of those chances will be finished on one end and they believe the goaltenders can stop those chances on the other end but what do you think that's going to look like yeah and i think when you put jenner on the wing and felino on the wing they can press the forecheck i mean it frees them up a little bit as far as getting after it you know getting up and getting after it and, and i think that's the key i think you're right the trust in the goaltenders is huge uh, seemed like they had to back off a little bit on the, on the, remember with Panarin here and, and Bobrovsky, if we go back that far, you know, they would leave, Atkinson would be out of the zone on the thought of okay. any transition deep in the D zone. It was just an automatic. Those guys were <laughs> gone. He was gone. Yeah. And, and if you look at Cam Atkinson scooting through the neutral zone, not only if he doesn't get the puck, the D is backed off, right? They've got to follow him and respect him. And it opens up a lot more ice. So, yes, having the goaltender trust. Listen, don't discredit the center iceman. That's a, that's a safety valve for those guys in transition and helping in mm -hmm. those transition is to help that layer in front of the goalie and around the D 
And then the attack is going to be much more anticipation. Anticipation of a turnover, anticipation on the forecheck, and that little bit, uh, thro- it throws the D and, and the players trying to get out of their, their end and the opposition, it throws them off a little bit when they're rushed. So these are good things. And then the attack, the other thing, and the biggest thing, and we've heard this from Torts since he got with the Blue Jackets, the defense is the engine. So look for the D-man to get up ice more. You know, David Savard, I don't think he had a goal last year. You know, I think he, he he's a player no. that came into the league as a – he was scoring goals in junior, offensive defenseman, believe it or not. And now he knows his role, and it's very specific. But there are moments when we should see David Savard up in the play being a threat. And I think that – it creates so much stress on forwards. Uh, you're not ready for that type of attack. You're always aware of Jones and Wierenski, I'm sure, when you're on the ice. But if you can get another couple guys up there – and, and understanding that your centerman can cover for you, I think that, that it puts a lot more pressure on the opposition. Awesome. Jody, I love to pick your brain. This is like a window into me chasing you around the locker room with all my questions. Oh, great. I'm just going to lay this one out. I'm just going to lay this one out there. All things being what they are right now, who is the top line of this team, all three positions forward-wise? Oh, that's a really good question. And I think I wrote that down the other day. I mean, you got to have... I love Dubois and Atkinson. I mean, I, I think that those two guys, you know, are players that need to play on the top line. Um, I know the emergence of Bjorkstrand, Dubois, and um, Texier. I mean, not only because they're, they played well together. They're three young players that really like each other. Um, but I don't mind a top line. Um, and listen, I, I don't know if they're going to have a top line. Well, they there'll be two equal lines probably mm. because you're gonna have. You, okay, let's try let's try this again. Let's keep the Dubois. <laughs> let's keep the Dubois Texier Bjorkstrand line together because you know what? I think there's okay. something there. Just because I love Texier, I think he's got a he, he's competitive on the puck. Uh, so is Dubois, and they understand what Bjorkstrand is. So those guys, those three guys, can complement each other. I like Domi. Atkinson, Felino. I think there's something there with those three. Under mm. those two, what do you see the difference in those two lines? What is the top line there? Um, I like Dubois as the number one center, but I think your top line might look something like Domi, Atkinson, Felino, uh, because the leadership, the veteran uh, presence, and then the burst that Domi's going to have when he comes into this team, I think there's going to be something there. So what's your third line then? The third line, you'd have to have Jenner. Yeah, no, Boone Jenner's okay. got to be there. Uh, your centerman has got to be Koivu. So those two guys I like. And then who are we going to put on the wing? Um, who am I missing? Nyquist. Mm. Nyquist? Yeah, Gus Nyquist. I like Nyquist there. I like Nyquist there. Yeah, I like Nyquist Interesting. There. I like this. Yeah. All right, we're going we're gonna to circle back on this when play begins again. Yeah, let's circle back because, you know, it's got to be a fun practice for Torch to do because, you know um, – you know he likes the fresh blood, and I think with Dubois last year, and and just how you know he was pushing Dubois all the time and, and wanted more from him, is yep. Domi that piece that goes ahead of Dubois that really gets Dubois' attention? Do you know what I mean? There, I there's there's something there for for credibility of ice time that could ignite a, a player like Pierre Luc. Yeah, and I'm with you. I like him and Texier together a lot. I'd arguably switch up the right side, but I'd keep 42 with 18 all day long. Personally, that's just me. Yeah. Yeah, I, there's something there. I, I, I agree with you. 
So here's the question then. We know guys are skating, and we asked you this before when everything stopped. Like, is your body clock all messed up in terms of what should be happening this time of year? And how do you think these players are are dealing with this mentally, preparation-wise? Like, what is – this whole year has been nuts, but what is this time like now from your perspective as a player? Well, this is different because now they have – they kind of have a finish line. Okay. You know, we're not sure if January 1st is going to be the date or not, but – Right now, it is the day. So what you do is you walk back. So usually camp starts, say, September 15th. Your new September 15th is the last week of December, let's say. Okay. So they just walk it back from there. So this is like July skating. Almost. Are we into July yet? So July is when you start to ramp it up. August is full go. And then September is that worst month because it's training camp, exhibition, uh, testing, and all that. So if we walk it back, so December would be September, and then you have, uh, let's see, we go to, yeah, December would be September, and then November would be your August. So they're getting ready to ramp up, and, and you know what? These guys have a, a practice time every day at 10.30 down at Nationwide Arena. They are in their, their, uh, their mode right now of August, so... It's much different now, Allison. Your body clock is not messed up because they did play. Gotcha. Uh, they have a point when it might start. So that's where you, you're, they're now kind of in a, a growth stage and, and getting ready for that grind of training camp, which is, what, 45, 50 days away maybe? Gotcha. Gotcha. Did you hear any good bubble stories, Jody? You know what? I I didn't really. It, it didn't sound very glamorous to me. <laughs> it sounded like the players, um, they did a good job of – doing what they had to do to make hockey work for them and their organizations and the league. Uh, but it wasn't very glamorous. I didn't hear anything great at all. Uh, but uh, no, I wish I actually was hoping I would hear some good stories, but I heard nothing. No fun. No fun. No fun. In the no bubble, fun. <laughs> Jody, there's a bunch of younger guys, especially that have gone overseas to start the season. Um, a way to, a way to have some sort of uh, competitive, games before the uh the the real season starts and again who knows where this is going to start tell tell us as a player i mean none of us have any idea what it's like to ever be up on that level uh to be able to ride the wave of being an nhl player but how far can you step off of that or how long can you step off of that i don't think it's just like riding a bike um how long can you step off that before you start to worry about it coming back to you Again, and, and this long break for some of these guys, again, some of these guys were able to play in the bubble, but for the, especially for the teams that didn't play, uh, that didn't play in the restart, how long of a break is this and how tough do you think it'll be for some of the veteran players there uh, to sort of recapture their glory? I'm thinking of a guy like Joe Thornton, right, who didn't didn't get to play in the restart and, and has signed uh, now to play in Toronto. It's going to be... From March, almost nine months since he's played a game. How tough is that going to be? Well, I'll tell you one thing about Joe Thornton. He is there. I mean, the personality that guy brings to that locker room, it makes me smile. Because I played with Joe in San Jose. And we would go early to practice and stay late just because the energy, the kid-like energy this guy has about hockey. So whatever, I don't care what he does on the ice, but I'm so excited for Austin Matthews. Uh, and all the Maple Leafs, young and old, what he's bringing there. But to answer your question, 
Yeah, you know what? The worst part about it as you get older and and, and for the younger guys too who are just kind of trying to start in their way into the league is the anxiety of not knowing if you're doing enough. And it's so hard to stay in shape and train and push yourself and push through it. Um, but I do think there is a major sense of relief uh, when you do get to camp. I don't think there's that much of a drop-off. I think these guys push hard. They work hard. Uh, you know, they're on top of, of what they, their numbers and where they need to be with the Blue Jackets and Nelson Ayotte. Uh, there's certain specific numbers at certain times, thresholds that they can uh, now reflect on over the last year or two years. Or if you're an older guy, you know where you need to be from years past. I don't think they'll be that far off, but I think there is a point. I mean, if you're talking about 18 months, that's a long time. Uh, yeah. But you've seen players get injured and come back. Uh, I don't think this will be too long if they start in January. But I do think it could be an advantage for a player who is – on the bubble or just trying to make their emergence into the National Hockey League and they do get those reps and they do come back and get a head start in camp, you might be able to push someone out of a job. And, and the person that's getting pushed out of the job, that's where the anxiety comes in because it, you know, it's not the fact that they haven't done enough. It's just the fact that someone has got to play and yeah. compete um, for a few, even if it's a few months. I think there's a big advantage there. Jody, one last question. I realized we didn't talk to you on the show after the season ended and and my my biggest sense of empathy in this whole restart went out to people like you the broadcasters who do you do such a good job but you have so much access and you can see so much when you're covering a game how was it was it was it hard how were the monitors did you miss stuff was there stuff you figured out was actually easier to do what was it like well i appreciate uh, i appreciate the kind words yeah well, you know what i actually really enjoyed it and I mean, you know what it was, Allison? I got to watch along with you. <laughs> I got to watch along with the fans. So I got to see, it was like I was, I felt like I was sitting down with the Blue Jackets fans and we were watching a game together and I was just trying to talk about what we're seeing. Whereas when I'm standing in the building, yeah, there's an advantage to seeing some things behind the play or, or you know, definitely in between the boxes, the nuances of getting the pulse of what's happening down there. But the, just the fact that I was able to walk along and walk through the game with you, I loved it. It was because when you're in the building, you know, I might see something that the camera is showing something different. So I'm just not on the same page. And sometimes people will be like, oh, did you see that? It hit the stick. I got to see all that right live in the monitor with you. So I, I really enjoyed it. Um, we had an amazing setup. I think I had five monitors. Wow. One was really far away, and then the other four, four just got closer and closer and closer. So it was an amazing setup. We had a great, great uh, crew with Fox Sports Ohio, and they made it so easy for us to do our job. So I appreciate you bringing that up, but we really enjoyed it. I may never travel again after saying that, Allison, <laughs> but who knows? I always it was good. <laughs> Jody, are you uh, are your guys trick or treating tonight, or is, is it canceled with the weather? No, ours is Saturday. We're in Powell, and ours is Saturday. Yeah, the weather looks like we might we might have timed it right. What are what are the kids dressed up as this year? My daughter is dressed up as an elephant, so that's she's, Very she's nice. into this onesie thing where you just zip it up and the elephant ears. So she's doing simple and cozy. Fantastic. And my son Owen. Uh, he's going to be a referee, if you can imagine. Yes. Oh. <laughs> oh. Perfect, right? You, you don't like him immediately, do you? 
He's already called penalties on me, so that's not good. Rock to say, start. Is he, is he put you in the box? I've been in the box a few times. Yeah. That's great. Jody, thanks for joining us as always. My pleasure, guys. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. And I can't wait to see you in a rink sometime again soon, hopefully soon. Absolutely. Let's, let, let's uh, hope that's really soon, guys, really soon. Yes. Yeah. All right. Thanks, man. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Jody. All right. See you guys. Thank you. Bye-bye.